Hello everyone, welcome to the newest episode of The Devil's Mouth. It is a sort of a dawning of a new era for our little podcast. Uh, so far, the show has been synonymous with the 10 rounds that hopefully you guys listening know and love. Otherwise, you probably don't know it and might love it. Go check it out. But for now, we are introducing a new feature, and this is the very first episode of it. So uh, history is in the making. And with us in a wonderful occasion of full circle, the very first guest of the 10 rounds on the devil's mouth a couple of years ago already, Mr. Michael McKeegan from therapy. He is here with us also to premiere the memory lane. Hello, Michael. Welcome again. Yeah, lovely to be here. I'm, I'm always glad to be at the dawning of any new era. So <laughs> this is a real privilege and an honor for me. Go down memory lane with you. Likewise, uh, it is a huge privilege and honor also, as it was on the very first time when you decided to 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 give me a shot for a podcast that did not really exist yet. <laughs> you, you, you have a lot to answer for. So <laughs> all those people that were subjected to it, you are partially responsible for that. So uh, it is a heavy burden. Oh, brilliant. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very flattered. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice to see such a a cool concept as, as you had it at the time, you know, flourish. And uh, we were just talking earlier about how many amazing, you know, you know, innovative and influential guests you've had on since. So it's, uh, yeah. it's a testament to the quality of the show. So it's, yeah, good, a good idea. Most definitely. I've been, I've been very lucky and uh, hopefully the memory lane will, will flourish. Also, we will have a few uh, repeats. A couple of them are already in the works. Uh, of course, the 10 rounds will keep on being the bulk of the show. They will keep appearing with the same alarming regularity every week. Uh, the memory lane will appear not necessarily with the same clockwork uh, rigidness, but it will appear frequently. There are already a couple of them in the works with also people who have done the 10 rounds and a few new ones. The objective for this uh, feature, as you've probably read it somewhere, because I will spend this quite a bit, is for a musician to go back in time down the proverbial memory lane and remember everything about a record of their past discography. Um, this, as with the 10 rounds where I give full freedom of choice to the artists, this record is also picked by the artist and Michael has picked the very first therapy album, Baby Teeth, which is an anniversary boy. It's 30 years old as, as the band was uh, last year. Uh, and that, I think, is the perfect start to, to the conversation because it sounds insane that your first album is 30 years old already, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a, a crazy one. You know, they always say you never, you know, you never forget your, your first studio experience and uh, things like that. And obviously, um, you know, with, with, with the band, the kind of the, I suppose when we, when we started the, the mindset, to make a record was the dream, you know, a piece of vinyl. And uh, that was the original seven inch, which uh, the two tracks are on baby teeth. And then uh, that was nearly, we could have, you know, that was it, we could have died happy. The band could have terminated <laughs> happy. We'd achieved the one kind of goal. And uh, 
it was just amazing that um, we managed to pull baby teeth together in a similar kind of DIY style and um, get it released um, as it was on Ouija Records originally and then through Southern Studios who, um, you know, had released a lot of uh, great music and distributed stuff by a lot of our favourite bands. So it was kind of a, a huge learning curve come, you know, mind melt of an experience where we kind of went from almost zero to to you know to the stratosphere you know almost within a period of maybe 18 months a year you know when 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 you went in for the actual uh recording which which wasn't all that in one session right uh when you when you did the recording you were already not a very well-known band but you had already done a few shows you were already on the radar of of the great john peel um did you already feel any kind of expectation to live up to or was it really like that fever dream of the the first experience still consuming everything i think when you're when you're caught up in the middle of it, you don't really, there's not really a lot of taking stock of where you're at. It's more about yeah. forward motion. That's always been one of the, the kind of the therapy approaches to things. Just keep on steamrolling. You know, <laughs> yeah. that sounds good. Yeah, let's do it. That sounds bad. Let's not do that. So, um, no, definitely with, especially in, in, in Ireland, not North and South, we, we'd done a lot of shows. We played a lot. Um, people knew the songs from, the concerts and stuff we did the the first single um quite early on and then that actually the rest of baby teeth it's actually a mini album but i always call it yeah, an album yeah. you know there's a the seven songs on it but the first two songs we did another five tracks were meant to be like a, a smaller mini album a 12 inch <laughs> five track ep whatever you want to call it um and then it was just when we kind of had interest from Ouija that was when it was kind of put together as the full they said well the single's long sold out why don't you just you know bung it on this and um, that made sense but yeah there was I mean we did have kind of diehard fans and obviously friends of the band that were they knew Innocent X and Skyward and stuff like that from the live shows and yeah. you know rehearsal tapes so uh, we didn't want to drop the ball when we went into the studio put it that way so yeah, um, yeah. So what what do you remember from those those times, especially with the the writing of of the songs? If if there's anything specific that you remember when coming up with the songs, and then the whole experience of of, of the recording. Well, we were very disciplined. You know, we we when we started the band, we would rehearse twice a week, three times a week. You know, for you know, a whole evening. Um, Andy was working at the time, five years at college up in um, Coleraine, which is kind of in the north, up the north of Northern Ireland. So it's not something Andy would drive to Coleraine, pick up Fife, drive him back, meet me at the rehearsal room, rehearse for three hours, and then he would drive Fife back up to Coleraine and back down again, which is about a, a good hour each way. And then That's occasionally the Andy would then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then Andy would go straight into a night shift or something like that, and same with the gig. So Andy did a lot of really hard work there, you know, coming in. And um, I think the good thing was rehearsal was always good fun because we were just bursting with ideas, you know, too many ideas. It was 
it was hard sometimes just to keep track of is this still one song we're working on here you know <laughs> or what are we do and there's a lot of parts and influences coming into it and and it was a i mean people always say it was a great time for music but we were really kind of getting into a really exciting time of of music i feel you know that 80s tipping into the start of the 90s grunge was coming up all the sub pop bands but also the um ministry the more industrial sound and stuff like lard and fugazi you know there was just lots of really good interesting guitar music about and that all kind of was literally every time we'd heard, turn up our price we're like my god have you heard this my god <laughs> have you heard this so there's a, a really good kind of flow of this new stuff between us you know you mentioned John Peel earlier, obviously. Did you hear, you know, the Nirvana yeah, yeah. session last night on Peel, you know, all this really good stuff. So that was, it was just a well of influences and a well of ideas within the band when we were writing the material. And I think, you know, I've actually got the record sitting down here. So I'm just looking at it. Oh, wonderful. wonderful. I will so make yeah. a screenshot of that. This, this will be audio only, but that needs a screenshot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. There it is. In all the story. So hence you had songs like, you know, Loser Cop, which was went from kind of Zorn type jazz to droney butthole surfers things to like a, almost like an acid house outro and things yeah. like that. And we were, I suppose because we were so excited by it and possibly very naive in a way, there was no real rules or boundaries. Why wouldn't you put an acid house type beat, yeah. you know, with a god flesh distorted bass line and some kind of, you know, post-punk scratchy guitars? Why would you not do that in, in one song? You know, it's all. It's I all maintain that. I'm 30 years after. I mean, why would you not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, I, I like. I mean, you were really young, right? You, you, you guys were all uh, barely out of teenagers, if if not actual still teenagers, yeah. most of you. Right? Yeah, let me think. That was 1990. I so I would have been about like 18 or 19 at 19, the time. More or less, yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. So it was good. So you're obviously uh, lots of energy. And up for it. nothing was a problem, you know, and that was good. And there's a can-do attitude, and especially because of the way the scene, or maybe lack of scene, or the the the, the fracturedness of the scene in Northern Ireland, there wasn't really. There was lots of great things going on, but there was no real one kind of, you know, resource for musicians. That the rehearsal rooms were always a bit, you know. The gear was always broken and stuff like that. If you wanted to, to do a gig, the big clubs weren't interested. So you kind of had to, you know, you would learn how to sweet talk, you know, someone that owned or had the keys to the local church hall or, you know, community <laughs> center and say, no, 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 it's it's just it's just some music, rock band. Yeah, a bit like status quo. Yeah, of course, just just like yeah. status quo. Yeah. You know, so uh, you, you learned to kind of, put on things and do posters and spread the word and stuff. So it was a very DIY thing. You know, there was certainly no, hey, we'll hang out in Belfast and we'll get signed by Geffen. You know, that <laughs> was never never a dream, let alone, you know, even, yeah. I don't even think there were many labels. I don't think there even were good vibes had gone at that stage. There weren't many homespun labels either. So hence do, do it yourself, which has stood us in very good stead. You know, it was a, yeah. a good boot camp. 
a, a lot of foundations built here, right, for for the future in, in another dimension. But the the foundations were really acquired through the ethic that that you already had here, the, the three of yeah. you, right? I think as well with with Baby Teeth as well, I think there's a lot of the elements of the band's sound originate on that record. Mm-hmm. You know, there's songs like Skyward and maybe Dancing with Manson that show the more melodic kind of side of the band. And then you've got things like Innocent X and Me Abstract that are the more industrial sound and dancey. You know, you can look at something yeah. like um, Record Like Beckett of uh, Cleave. The last studio album, you know, that's okay. there's a direct lineage the whole way across, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and then the more instrument. Sorry. I like I like I like that you had the goal already, you know, as, as such a young band <laughs> on, on, on their first show. To just first of all to mix all of that and then everything else, like the the saxophone, the 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 samples, the yes, all yeah. the, the artistic references to, to literature, to film, to, to everything you don't feel like a band of 20 year old kids on on this record not on on any year not when it came out not today it the it feels like a record done by a much more mature band or a much older band because you were obviously mature as it shows <laughs> yeah I, do you know what it was just kind of what we were into you know yeah. we we it didn't really yeah, even feel particularly adventurous to you at the time to do these things, probably, right? As you said, it was actually, what, what you liked. <laughs> yeah, we probably, you know, we, I mean, the ambition was probably a lot more mm-hmm. extreme. You know, it was obviously toned down due to budget and the fact that, you know, this is <laughs> this is what you can do in two days in the studio. You know, that was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we weren't thinking orchestras or anything like that, but I think just to, pull in the different yeah the samples and the things and we you know we're all we're all we're all big big readers and 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 movie buffs so it was always nice to to kind of find something cool that would work in the context of a song or you know the stuff in the loser call from electric Eye and blue and you know yeah i still can't believe there's a blade runner sample and may abstract you know it's, right <laughs> i mean now that would be shut down so quick but yeah do you know what i mean someone's obviously got a beat on it and went you know what who cares so it's 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 quite amazing you know whereas if we sat down and talked about it and did it you know and rang people and did that probably wouldn't have happened but it wouldn't have happened yeah (laughs) yeah it's done and it's there and it's 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 awesome it's such an integral part of the the feel of the thing and even the way you know we never you know the, the the gear was kind of held together on a wing and a prayer it was all kind of batter gear the sampler was would always crash in the memory and the Everyone was a bit glitchy, but it, it just suited the. If it was too polished and on the beat, it it just would be too nice, yeah, you know. Yeah. But even yeah. even thinking about the recording, you know, dancing with Manson, the arrangement slightly wrong, because that was the last song we did. Yeah. And we just we played it live as a band in the studio, and for some reason, there's there's one section and there's like it's two bars too long. It should have been like four, four, and four. Oh, so there's like four, four, <laughs> six, and four. But it was like, well, it's done now, and there, is, there is literally no more tape in this studio to record so, on. We couldn't afford any more tapes, so that was yeah. that, that was, was the that. We're using. <laughs> yeah, that was it. You know, so there's things like that, and um, I would have to say to the, the recording side of it, um, 
Mud Wallace, who produced mm-hmm. it with us. Mm-hmm. He was, he's very, very sadly passed away a few years ago. He was a, a quite an influential character on the, the scene, but more in the show band and country and western scene. But we, I don't think he knew anything about our kind of music, you know. But he, um, we just, well, we knew he had the best studio in Northern Ireland or the only studio that you would really consider. And we, we got on well with him. I think he liked it because it was so not normally what he would be doing in the studio. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't think many country and Western bands were referencing the bad brains and playing them no means no in the studio to illustrate. <laughs> Probably not. He, he was just like, what is this craziness? <laughs> okay. But he, um, we were very lucky in a, a collaborative sense. He was a bit like, well, he never said you can't do that. He said, we'll try and do that. You know, and it was a... That's great. We yeah. let, he just let us, let us go, go for it, you know. So um, he was really good in that respect. And um, when I mentioned earlier about the Tate aspect of things, you know, he, he would let us, you know, there's the reels, there are a certain amount of minutes long, the multi-track tapes. But what he'd done was he'd got other multi-tracks from different sessions and could work out, well, there's three minutes in the end of this one, there's five minutes here, and we were able to use them to do some of the extra songs uh-huh. that we did. So saved us, you know, tape was expensive then, so it saved us quite a bit of money in the session. So he was um, a good ally. Yeah, you that's know, great, um, that's great. Do you, well, it, it was more difficult to, to gauge that at, at the time, obviously, but uh, the, do you do you remember how, how the record was received? Do you, do you have... Uh, an idea of how people took it when when it came out yeah do you know what the 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 reviews amazed us because they were all so good Mm. i mean i think anyone that didn't like it wasn't going to review anyway or even mention (laughs) it because it was such a an unholy racket for them but (laughs) um the likes of enemy and melody maker right down to like all the fanzines like a lot of the um, like the hardcore punk fanzines would have reviewed it and give it really, really good reviews as well. You know, they obviously could see more of the maybe the the Husker do or maybe the, you know, the, the touch and go sound in it. You yeah, know, and no, it, no. it was it was quite amazing. But it was I, what I always liked about it was some reviews were like, "Oh, this is great," blah blah blah, and it'll name drop a set of references. So Hawkwind, and then the next one will be referencing. A lot of bands that sound to me nothing like Hawkwind, you know. Yeah. So th- there seemed to be, it seemed to click with a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah. which was amazing. It, we were genuinely shocked by how good the reaction was because yeah. you just don't expect it. And you know, you're so caught up in it, you don't really think. Apart from us and our close circle of friends, who's going to hear this outside us lot? You know, and then, it's like, <laughs> oh my no. god, because we made it, we didn't have a deal. You know, this was just going to be another DIY five track. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, and then when um, we got the tape, which is a very, I don't know if you know the story there. We, I don't think so. It's, it's quite cool. When we um, had recorded it, we had a rough kind of a rough mix of it. Mm-hmm. And we went to see Silverfish and the Revolting Cox yeah, yeah. in Glasgow. Um, their gig 
me and Andy went over on the on the boat and then the train and it was one of those ones the gig had been moved because it had been protests because the rolling cocks were going to kill yeah. a cow on stage there was some crazy yeah. kind of thing so they, they punted the gig into a much smaller venue so it was just it was chaos the whole gig but we got chatting to Silverfish afterwards and they invited us into the dressing room and we met Chris Conley and Mr. Jorgensen give Al a tape Leslie got a tape and uh, Leslie was working at Southern Studios at the time. Mm -hmm. I think maybe in the warehouse or something. But they were signed to Ouija. And literally three, four days later, Andy got a ring on his home phone number. That was the number yeah. on the tape from Ouija saying, look, this is great. We love it. You know, can we do something with it? And we were like, oh, my God, this is wow. nice. This is like <laughs> Silverfish's label. You know, we were huge fans of the band, you know, so um yeah that was really you know what are the odds you go to a gig and you just bump yeah, into someone yeah yeah you know in the corridor outside and you know and yeah that that, that was really um just one of those things and then that's when they suggested oh, look we'll put <clears throat> all seven songs together and of course the the producer's generosity came unstuck because the tape the animal bones had been recorded on couldn't be found oh. so we were down animal bones so in the end there was a like a c90 that i had rough mixes on and we had to use that in the end as the master copy because he'd been through all oh. the tapes in the studio and couldn't find it <laughs> so it wasn't even mixed it, it sounds considerably different to the rest of the album but that was one of those Oh, great, I'll just ring the studio and get the masters. I, said, I don't know. There's like 300 tapes here and I can't find it. Which, which, which tail end of country and western band session did we record? I was going, I don't know, Mud, you did it, you know. So the cassette that had been played 40 times at, you know, late night parties in the house and yeah, yeah. had been on spilled in the back of a van. And uh, so I had to send that over to London. It was hilarious. I had to get a, you know, registered post to send it over to the label and say, look, this is all we've got of that one track so <laughs> oh my god they managed to get get a salvable rip off it which was good so that's why animal bones especially there in the middle of the record it's kind of a weird midpoint right there it's, yeah. it's a weird frenetic <laughs> yeah it was never mixed that's literally just it strangely yeah. fits but i i've i've often wondered why the decision to so it wasn't a decision <laughs> no no it was the, the hand of fate forces yeah you know yeah, yeah. bad uh, bad tape labeling forces <laughs> oh my god was it ever found you know the the, the oh name? no i no? think it was then re-recorded over Probably, again and... yeah taped over yeah um about the artwork i i know very little about this artwork also i don't know if if there's been any public story on the, the origins of it where did it come from well, that was a friend of ours. His um, cousin was an artist, George Smith, S M Y T H, and he, um, yeah, we, we'd friends in common, and we'd met George, and we, we'd we'd seen some of his artwork. We'd used it for the the Me Abstract single, yeah, you know, and he's obviously into Dali, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> it shows <laughs> some Geiger Geigery type vibes as well. Also, so, um, yeah, yeah. And he just had a load of, you know, I suppose they were maybe the artwork were like double size of the vinyl. He had them and he also did Pleasure Death for us. And it was just a friend we had in common. And we wanted to use a local artist anyway. 
and we we certainly knew there wasn't going to be a band picture on the album because yeah. that was kind of we wanted it to be more that anonymous you know weird you know a lot a lot of the bands were kind of into like they were like, like big black photos and stuff like that you never really knew who was in the band and who was like a a random waiter that was stood there when they were getting their picture taken that day. <laughs> yeah. It was all kind of yeah. a bit. So we quite like the anonymous side of it, and yeah, and it sounds creepy and 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 strange in a way. Yeah, it's really that. It is a cross between Dali and 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 Kegger, So that... yeah, and I like the um the grey was a good one, and even the 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 little baby teeth font. That was it. Andy yes. did that. He did like kind of a scrawly thing that we've used in a few oh, bits right. and pieces since. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I just quite like the way it's it's kind of framed and stuff. That was yeah. done, you know, old school, photocopy, color photocopy, taped onto the, the gray card, and then left right. set, the, yeah. and then they take yeah. like a master photo of it. So it's that's probably sitting about somewhere. But um, yeah, it was good. It was good. I think the package came together really nicely, and um, through the the Ouija connection, you know, we were able to go over to London and do kind of one-off shows and um, do some touring. We did actually, interesting, we did some touring with um, Turk Babes in Toyland when they had the Two Mother EP out. Oh, yes. So it was kind of funny because it was like we were number one in the independent charts one week, then they were number one and we were number two. It's like this kind of in-joke. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Um, that was a great a great tour to be on, you know, and they, they, uh, they're they lovely people and they really taught us a lot about you know turn and, and going out and, mm -hmm. and how to treat people and how to treat support bands and and, and how to treat yourself <laughs> yeah 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 that's important <laughs> uh, so uh that that was really cool you know and peel was right behind it as well and yeah we did um we did actually did a radio session for rte which was a big thing um because southern kind of state broadcaster uh, who would have been probably see this very conservative yeah. you know in, in their musical policy so we, we did a thing with them so it, it it was amazing really opened up a lot of doors and like one of those things where all of a sudden you know there's three times as many people at the gig as there was six months ago <laughs> that's that's one thing that i wanted to ask when when did you start to notice that uh, the, the impact of, of this record in terms of people discovering the bands on the shows right after the release that started to happen then yeah literally the the, the week after it came out we were in tour and i was like oh my god you know you weren't <laughs> here in leeds last time there was only 12 people last time <laughs> you know now there's 100 you know yeah, and yeah. and that you know exponentially got um, a lot bigger so yeah, it was, it was cool. And then towards the end of the year, I think it came out in July, towards the end of the year, we did a tour with Hole around the UK, yeah, yeah. which was good, which is a big deal because it was their first kind of UK tour. And um, they were um, really, really on fire, you know, on stage and off. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> oh, God, I can imagine. A lot going on. <laughs> but it was, <clears throat> it was really cool as well because we'd met Courtney. She'd been over in the summer um hanging out with babes in toyland and we'd met her at a barbecue babes in toyland at a barbecue at their house and we all went and the guys from mud honey and stuff were there they were over playing oh, nice. the story i think so we met quite a lot of them and it was it was just nice to kind of um get our feet in with that camp a little bit and then it made sense then when hole come over to 
yeah. to do the UK yeah. shows, we were yeah. able to play with them. You don't strike me as a sort to to ever overthink this much, but as you said, as as, as it was customary with bands at the time, the amount of musicians from that time that I've told told me that that the goal of the band was to like make a record and that's it, we're done. Everything that we wanted to achieve is achieved, kind of thing. <laughs> When did you realize that this band might be more than uh, let's just do one record kind of thing? Did did Baby Teeth help cement that and then move on to Pleasure Death, which was kind of a quick process to to do after that yeah well i suppose that came out july 91 mm -hmm. never mind came out september 91 and we already that's a good, heard in advance yeah. <laughs> i'd heard an advanced tape of never mind so there was definitely something coming that involved guitar bands <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know in the way it was in the air yeah. that was never mind <laughs> so I think there was a lot of people just their, their ears were really tuned or, or focusing on, you know, aggressive but melodic guitar music. Yeah. And we were just probably, even though we weren't necessarily that similar to Nirvana or the so-called grunge bands, you know, they're all quite yeah. unique sounding from Tad to Mudhoney. They're all, Screaming Trees are all very different and unique sounding, but that kind of, you know, I don't think a lot of those bands would have songs like, Innocent X or Loser Cop or as maybe as broad a sound, but we probably had influences as common like Sabbath and Killing Joke and stuff like that. So yeah. we were just kind of pulled along and obviously, you know, once a record like Nevermind is huge, then it's like, you know, where's the next yeah. Nevermind going the to ripples. come from? And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, if it can come from Sal, maybe it can come from Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, I mean, Trouble Gum was kind of the, the, the next, at least for, for me, but uh, that that's another story for another That is another, episode. yes, another <laughs> but, step, but yes, step somewhere. Um, but yeah, definitely I could see, I think we might even have recorded Pleasure Death by the time Baby Teeth came out. We definitely recorded it that summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we probably recorded it maybe in August that year. I think we did record it then. And then it came out start of 92 we signed to AM summer 92 and then nurse the major label debut nice. came out yeah. um october 92 so you can imagine this is you know the trains really left the station at this point oh absolutely yeah hang yeah. on i hope you packed your clean underpants <laughs> guys <laughs> you're not getting off for a while yeah yeah um <laughs> i i kind of look at not not wanting to drag another album into the episode but uh, uh it feels like baby teeth and pleasure death are kind of you know two faces of the same coin i kind of look at them as your first period it's like your iron maiden and killers you, you didn't have a poliano fortunately but <laughs> I, i i look at it as a sort of you know well i mean and there was caucasian psychosis of course which joined the two of them but um do, do, do you see that as like your your formative period as a band where you found yourself and then nurse cemented that is that how you look at oh yeah definitely like, i know um Like we had Potato Junkie written, mm -hmm. which is on Pleasure Death, but we had it written when we recorded that. We already right. played it live and yeah. some of the things we'd already played live, but it's just they weren't um, as finished as these songs. It was basically, well, you know yourself, your first band, you're kind of, it's basically your live set normally yeah. becomes your first record. But we yeah. we had a few other songs that then became a Pleasure Death songs. And um, 
yeah, they're definitely definitely from the same mindset and kind of mm -hmm. sonic approach and stuff. Although Pleasure is a lot cleaner sounding, I think we could have could have done with a bit more of the chaos in this, but I think we were maybe trying to, you know, step it up a gear. And we recorded that in London in um Southern Studios itself. You know, we're crass and recorded and yeah. the Lord record was done. So we were we were very respectful of you know, we could make a really, you know, powerful sounding record in there. I think we went a bit too far with the separation and some of the stuff there, but it's, yeah, they're definitely, definitely very much um, from the same mindset and era, those two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you recently did that exercise on your Instagram of asking people their favorite song from, from each of your <laughs> records. That was wonderful, that was but very cruel, first of all, I have to say. Some of them really posed me like those moments looking at the phone, like, which one, which one? I don't know. <laughs> you know? Um, if, if you had to pick yourself a song from Baby Teeth that either your favorite or one that whenever you drag out one of these to play on, on your shows that gives you particular enjoyment, is there any track that you would like to sing a lot from this record? Do you know what? Me, Abstract, probably. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it obviously, as you know, these things change and it's... Of course, it's yeah. kind of a, <laughs> It's a cruel thing to have me pick one of my favorites. But yeah, me, me abstract, <laughs> you know, I still... I think it sounds... It still sounds, when we play it live now, contemporary, and it still gives me that, I don't know, that dark buzz that it gave me when we first started playing it. Yeah. You know, it's still, yeah. it still, still feels fresh to my ears to, to, to play it, you know, and it's, it's a good one to dig in on. Yeah. That says a lot about the band, you know, what you just said. Uh, there are a lot of bands that uh, it is unimaginable for them to play anything from their first records, bands with the same kind of longevity as yours. And I, I think it's amazing that you can obviously clearly tell the evolution that, that you've had. It is most obvious you've, you've walked miles and miles with, with your sound, but these songs from 30 years ago still makes sense when when you play them today the the line is clear between baby teeth and cleave and i think that's very difficult to achieve and it clearly looks like you've had a master plan all along although you you you, you obviously <laughs> haven't so that's wonderful <laughs> yeah this, despite all our denials it's all one huge 30 32 year plan we've been you already on, like, like Fenris in the beginning you already knew the names of the following records and everything you had cleave prepared in 1991 admit it oh like. that's <laughs> that is crazy like the um Celtic Frost, Tom, Tom G. Warrior, he remember they had the whole plan for the Celtic Frost and they exactly. wrote like a whole, yes. not a business plan, but an artistic plan of yeah. thing. And yeah. I, I remember reading that in his book and I remember thinking, wow, that's insane. I mean, what? <laughs> Never what crossed brilliant... your minds to do any, anything like that. <laughs> no, because do you know what? I always think life doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm you like know, you, I understand. Kind of, yeah. You know, I think I'm really into this now, but. I'm still going to be into it, you know, in a year's time, but I might be more into something a bit different. And there's a spontaneity to it that um, I think you need. You obviously need to have a plan and ideas, but as long as you keep the core, for us, to be honest, it's more about a vibe, to be honest, as opposed to concrete, you know. I love the, um, the interview. 
I think it's one of the Decibels books about one of the classic albums. I think it's Entombed. And there was only certain chord progressions, I think, on clandestine they were allowed to use. It was like E to F to F sharp, and anything else was verboten almost. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. wow. <laughs> I think part of me really admires the focus, you know. But then yeah, when yeah. does it get to St. Anger and there's no guitar solos allowed? You know, that's yeah. a mission yeah. statement too far. <laughs> it, it's such an easy rabbit hole to slide down, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I totally mutton. identify with, with you. I, this new feature on the podcast, I, I invited you like last week. I had thought of this randomly a day before. And all I did was ask my girlfriend if she thought it was a good idea. She said, I'm not sure. So... I went ahead with it and I decided to invite you. That was all the thought that went into it. So, yeah. I'm, Sometimes I'm, that's fun and it's, and it's so yeah. easy to overthink things, you know, and, and when I look back at part of me, you know, we, you know, sooner or later we're going to be making a new therapy album. You know, we, we've been prepping stuff and doing that. And yeah. part of me always wants to have that baby teeth mindset where it's just like, let's just go in and do it. You know, let's not try and second yeah. guess this or yeah. second guess that, because I do talk to a lot of musicians and there's a lot of weird external pressure and a lot of weird internal pressure that they're worrying about things that necessarily won't make the record any better, whether they're having sleepless nights about it or not. It's all about yeah. just kind of keep the spark, keep it fresh, just get in there and try and nail that. Do it with conviction, and that is exactly yeah. And that, and that is why it's aged so well, and these songs can still be a part of, of your set list today. I think that you just said it all there. I think yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad. So, uh, so you're at peace with this record. You you can very much as so, you did yeah. before. Hold up the vinyl and be like, it was cool. We did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Like this. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yes, that is the photo. That is the photo right there. <laughs> Sandwich uh, for everyone too. hearing, just go to our Instagram and these photos will surely be there. I, I, I will not allow them to go unpublished. Um, yes. Can you say that you know, about all the records in your discography, just as a final wrap, wrapping up question? Do you, know, do you know what? I'm at peace with all of them. I don't necessarily love all of them. Right. I mean, <laughs> you've got... You, your memory lane but we you should have you should there's always that um you know the paper bag moment where yeah, yeah. you think oh <laughs> this one really could have been a lot better various reasons many reasons sometimes you listen to those internal pressures in, in the wrong way mm -hmm. or external pressures in the wrong way and yeah but to be honest there's there's very very few that i don't love yeah yeah so you know, references but no no big regrets only one? Yeah, oh, absolutely not, no. So which is the only one? One cure fits all. Yeah, we we, yeah. we really dropped the ball in that sonic. Like, okay, I know, have to I'm, agree. <laughs> a lot. I'm, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to apportion blame, but um, yeah, we, we yeah. really, that should have sounded, that should have been a very different record. We should have yeah. been jumping up and down about it, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, that, there are two, two records uh, on your discography that I play way less than the others. It's one cure fits all and shameless which i've learned to appreciate more over time 
seriously <laughs> i forced myself to listen to shames because i think we had a similar conversation about this where i said shameless is my least favorite and then i thought about it why is it so wrong it's not it's not it, it grows on you if it's you give it a, a different more kind of vibe it is very a strange record for for your standards yeah. but it it it's yeah but yeah with one cure fits all i haven't returned all that much i have to agree with you no 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 <laughs> and it's funny because when i think when we toured it we did play a lot of the songs live and live it was it was a good vibe but for some reason that on the record it was it's it's a bad vibe <laughs> <laughs> right yeah sonically I don't, I don't know you know it sounded great in the rehearsal room it sounded great live after we released it it just didn't sound great when we finished in the studio <laughs> yeah, yeah. although it generated a few interesting songs that like rain hits concrete uh yes yeah. fear, fear of god dopamine serotonin adrenaline i i have good memories from a few of the yes. songs from that record but still well remembered yeah, yeah. yeah uh but yeah like baby teeth for example all of them are, are are awesome it's one of those records that you can't imagine it with any other track list these days if you're a fan of the band and of the record and i think that that says a lot about it yeah cool it's got yeah it's got a nice a nice flow to it actually yeah it's good yeah i like it okay so bottom line of this memory lane baby teeth aged well brings back good memories and it was a good foundation for the rest of your career. I think that's absolutely well, extremely well proud of it. I think <laughs> I think for three hicks from Northern Ireland, I think we we played out of our, played out of our skins on it and and uh what'd you say? Yeah, pushed pushed ourselves when maybe the easy thing would have been to do something a bit more, you know, easier or of the time, you know, exactly. but it was definitely we were we were trying to do something a bit different, I think, and it, yeah. it yeah. yeah, it worked. It worked. All right, so that was our first memory lane, a perfect beginning and a great journey. I hope everyone has enjoyed. Please let me know your feedback about this new era. Uh, be as harsh as you want. Uh, everyone go and listen to Baby Teeth now, because after this conversation, I think I'm going to spin it myself a couple of times. It's short. It's it's yeah, good, yeah. good for replay value and everything. Uh, I'm now pumped up to listen to it. Thank you, Michael, for once again premiering this new feature. And uh, congratulations. Congratulations, not only on baby teeth, but on, on all the other little things that you did after that and that you Brilliant. continue to do. So. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jose. I really appreciate it. It's always, it's always lovely to chat to you. It's much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so we will wait eagerly for the next chapter on your discography. And uh, for everyone listening, we'll see each other on the 10 rounds or on the next uh, memory lane, which uh, promises also to be something uh, very special. So bye bye, everyone. I hope you have enjoyed it. See you next time. The Devil's 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 Devil's